Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program, and thank you so much for joining us today. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. Uh, please visit the Clorox Healthcare website, See, uh, CloroxHealthcare.com to learn more about the ways that they keep our environment safer. And please check out their latest spore defense for Clorox Total 360, helping you find and fight C. diff in places you couldn't reach before. Right now, today, we are welcoming our guests, Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer. They are here today to discuss dry hydrogen peroxide technology that offers continuous environmental cleaning. Uh, Right now, today, we are also continuing our discussion uh, about the unique strategy for addressing the environmental implications of bacteria, fungi, and viruses, including the virus SARS-CoV-2 that causes COVID-19. And joining us right now to discuss the environmental technology, we welcome Maureen Spencer and Denise Graham to the program. Welcome, ladies. Hi, Nancy. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And, you know, it would be wonderful right now if you both could introduce yourselves to our global listeners. Denise, would you mind starting off? Not at all. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining in on today's radio show. My name is Denise Graham. I used to be the Executive Vice President for APIC, the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology. Uh, During that time, I oversaw the government relations public relations, the practice guidance, marketing, and it was a wonderful time and great opportunity for me to work with many of the APIC members. Uh, Right now, I'm consulting with a number of different companies within the infection prevention space, of which one we'll be discussing shortly. Thanks, Nancy. Maureen? Thank you, Denise and Nancy. So, my background has been always in infection prevention since I got out of nursing school. Most of my career was in the Boston area. Um, I worked at uh, Mass General Hospital as a director, uh, an orthopedic hospital called New England Baptist Hospital, um, a community hospital, Kearney Hospital, and a VA. And then I was a corporate director at Universal Health Services, um, overseeing the infection control programs for 28 hospitals in seven states. I also had a short period of time that actually worked with a diagnostic company in Tucson, with a, a really unique product uh, for sepsis and getting us very fast antimicrobial sensitivities. But more recently, since December, I am now an infection prevention consultant. And so that's what's keeping me busy, especially when COVID hit. Thank you for having me, Nancy. You are so welcome. And thank you both, ladies, for joining us today. And um, Maureen, it would be wonderful if you can lead off and explain the COVID-19 pandemic and the challenges it brings with it. Sure. Um, First of all, I want to say we really appreciate what you do. I mean, you're so dedicated to this and doing these shows every single week with amazing different content for your viewer, for your listeners. Uh, but I really wanted to kind of give you some kudos because I know this is about my fourth time, I think, I've been on your show. And I only met you a couple of years ago at the C. diff conference. But right now what we're going through, uh, as we've talked about, because that's been on the show the last few months, is this challenging COVID-19 pandemic. It's really been very unsettling for all of us. 
Um, it requires daily reading and listening. Um, CDC website, WHO, all the news channels, just to find out what's going on and how it's affecting people's lives and the economy. You know, I get a lot of calls uh, from family members and friends uh, who don't have a good background in infection prevention or disease transmission or environmental disinfection. And so, you know, I kind of do a lot of that kind of volunteering just to kind of calm them down and make sense of some of the recommendations. But one of the areas that there is a lot of concern in the environment as we start opening up the economy and we start opening up restaurants and maybe having outdoor seating, um, you know, bars are probably going to be very social distance if they, if they do open up. Some areas are going to keep those closed for a while. But we're really starting to understand the importance of the role of the environment um, in healthcare. And maybe we haven't given it the attention that it deserved in the past. It wasn't uncommon that some of the positions that would typically um, get cut during any kind of downsizing would be EVS workers. And unfortunately, a lot of nurses have had to take on the role of cleaning the rooms of COVID patients as they try to conserve PPE, the personal protective equipment, and try to keep as many people out of the room as possible. So that was now a new area that they had to get competencies to figure out how to clean the environment uh, to prevent the spread of, of the sars COVID, which is the virus. The disease that it causes is COVID-19, but we're talking about what disinfectants and how would we be able to kill um, the SARS-CoV um, in the environment. So one of the challenges um, of this is knowing which disinfectants that you can use and how to use them properly. Do some of them require cleaning and disinfection? Some of them combine the activity of cleaning with the disinfectant. And the EPA has a really nice list of the approved ones so far. You know, unfortunately, they're backlogs, as you can imagine. There's so many different vendors and products on the market <clears throat> that have some uh, coronavirus claims, and they're trying to get on that list. So it doesn't mean that if you have a disinfectant that you're either using currently or want to use, um, that it isn't on that list. It probably is something that you still can use if a similar one is on that list. So we really do have to be very, very quick um, to understand this evolving, under, uh, this virus as it evolves. And so that being said, I'm going to provide you with a brief update from last week on the radio show regarding uh, SARS-CoV and the environment. So some of the key reminders from last week's show is that we know that there are two primary modes of transmission of SARS-CoV. There's direct transmission and indirect transmission. We also know that it gets airborne. Um, so it's not like airborne, meaning tuberculosis or measles or mumps, which are fine, tiny little particles that can suspend and stay in the air for hours. But this does have somewhat of a component of that, where some of these micro aerosols that are generated by somebody who is infected can suspend for more hours than a typical coronavirus that, say, causes a common cold. So right now, the experts believe that the major source of spread is direct transmission. And this happens if you're in your home or you're in a closed area like a, a bus, a train, an airplane, an office, a waiting room, and somebody is coughing and sneezing and generating these respiratory droplets and you inhale them and you're within six feet of that individual, um, then these can land on your nose or on your eyes and your mouth and that's how you would then get infected. The virus goes into to the body, it gets into the cells and it starts to use our cells as a factory to make millions of copies of itself, which then spread throughout the rest of the body and land at different parts of our body. For the most part, we think of it as a respiratory 
sudden acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, that it goes to the lungs, because as we've learned, it can hit other organs as well in the body. Now, the other transmission is an important one. It's called indirect transmission. So this occurs when these respiratory droplets, which are larger and heavier, um, and therefore they can land in the different environments and suspend in the air a little bit longer, like I said earlier, than, than what we're used to. But they can get on like a doorknob, a table, um, you know, things that you would touch, the door to a restroom, the faucet handles. And an infected person comes along and indirectly touches that, contaminates their hands, and then brings it to their mouth. We all got itchy noses at time, and they start itching their nose, or they start to, um, you know, rub their eyes, and then all of a sudden, now they've got that virus coming into a mucous membrane. So we do know that the virus can survive for hours in the air and up to days on surfaces. We talked about that last week. You know, some of the research has shown it's, it's pretty hardy um, than some of the others. We also know that it can be shed when an affected individual is either pre-symptomatic or actually asymptomatic. They don't have a fever. They're not coughing and sneezing. But it is as they're talking and they're putting out droplets just from talking or laughing or singing, they can transmit it. There was one, for instance, an outbreak in a choir that uh, one of the uh, choir members was asymptomatic and infected a fair amount of those people that were in that area, that closed space, practicing for the choir. The studies have demonstrated that environmental contamination can be widespread. This virus has been recovered not just in the air samples, but on other multiple sites in the different studies. They have found it on bed linens, on computers, computer mice, uh, waste receptacles, even the floor and handrails, the bed handrails, among other areas. So collectively, these factors have major implications for our field of infection prevention and control, not just in the healthcare setting, but this is in sports arenas, college dormitories, hotels, restaurants, casinos. I mean, everybody's involved with this outbreak. This isn't just something that's contained in a hospital setting. It's nursing homes, it's extended care facilities, group homes, prisons, uh, you know, law enforcement. So everybody's had to get involved. The experts are predicting a sustained surge in cleaning demands as a result of this uh, because cleaning and disinfection in settings outside of healthcare are going to be critical to battle the spread of that, you know, prevent the spread of the virus um, as we start to go into the various reopenings um, in these phases that are being rolled out based on the epidemiology of the cases and various states. So that's why it's important to keep looking at the CDC website. Uh, there are a few others. The Johns Hopkins has got a great COVID site where you can actually look by your state of how many cases, new cases per day, and how many deaths they have. And that's really what drives the Department of Public Health to figure out how they're going to open up. So the right cleaning, uh, you know, everybody always asks that. What's the way right cleaning strategy? And it's in the infection prevention. So I'm always thinking about these infection prevention control technologies that can help us uh, accomplish the most in reducing the spread. It's like having another set of EVS department people with us. So, you know, that's been really useful to start to see some of this innovative technology, like uh, what Denise will be talking about soon. So first and foremost, we need a strategy that can address both the air and the surfaces, and we need one that provides a continuous bio-burden reduction because you know that the environmental contamination is not a finite event but ongoing process. You know, they come along, they clean it, and then somebody else comes along and recontaminates it and can cause transmission even though they just disinfected that surface. So the manual cleaning will always be necessary um, in order to prevent and control this. 
But unfortunately, it's what they call that single point in time intervention. And even the most meticulous manual cleaning can only address contamination at the moment it's being performed. Minute somebody else comes into that room, the recontamination starts all over again with their droplets, their skin squame cells, and other kind of contaminants. So there really needs to be uh, a means of addressing the ongoing recontamination environments. So a technology that can do 24-7, 365 days in the year, continuously self-disinfect these rooms is what this technology that we're going to talk about today, it's Synexis, which is a dry hydrogen peroxide that can provide automated continuous reduction of bio burdens in both the air and on the surfaces. Wonderful. I think probably we're ready for a break now, right? Yeah, already. Yes, Maureen, thank you so much for sharing all of that wonderful information. And I know that we all appreciate it. Right now, we're going to break for a commercial break. And when we return, we will continue discussing dry hydrogen peroxide technology, offering continuous environmental cleaning with our guest, Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Join us on Saturday, November 14th at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the 8th Annual International C. Diff Virtual Conference and Health Expo. For details and to register, please visit cdiff2020.com. Again, that's cdiff2020.com. Or contact the C. Diff Foundation at 727-205-3922. We look forward to meeting you online on November 14th and meeting you in person in November 2021 in Boston, Massachusetts at the Hilton Boston Logan Airport Hotel. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to C. Diff Spores and More. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. And welcome back to the program, everyone, and thanks for joining us today as we continue discussing dry hydrogen peroxide technology, offering continuous environmental cleaning with our two guests, Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer. And I welcome both ladies back to the program. Thanks for joining us today, Denise and Maureen. Thank you for letting us join in, Nancy. You are so welcome. We're so excited to learn more about the Synexis system. And Denise, I'm going to call on you if you wouldn't mind leading us into this. Absolutely. You know, before I lead into the system... I just want to reference one of the comments made by Maureen about 
reading every day from all the different regulatory agencies and accreditation bodies. As Maureen was talking, um, we got a, a upcoming news alert, you know, um, SOS, and it was all about Centers for Medicare and Medicaid now coming out with updated guidelines for reopening of surgical facilities. So her to a point, keeping up with all of the changes can be challenging, but looking to your experts like Maureen is really important. So let's talk a little bit about Synexus. So, um, you know, Maureen was talking a lot about the environmental contamination, which, you know, truly is a big issue. We know there are tons of studies out there that show manual cleaning at best is usually about 50% of um, the room. We have a number of housekeeping uh, staff very taxed right now, and even without the pandemic, they were very taxed. So kudos to all of them for keeping up with everything. They are one of the big hero groups for me. So as we learned a little bit more about the dynamics of environmental environmental contamination, that it can can constantly occur in both the air and on surfaces, I wanted to bring up um, a little bit more about Synexus. And throughout the entire pandemic, healthcare facilities, casinos, poultry plants, daycare, restaurants, numerous other industries were looking for and requested solutions that aren't just a single point-in-time intervention. I stress that. Um, you can perform the most thorough manual cleaning in a room. You can even seal it off and blast it with real hydrogen peroxide vapor for several hours. But as soon as you put a patient back in that room or you have a healthcare provider enter it, the contamination process begins all over again. So there really has been a real need to find a solution that can provide that continuous pathogen reduction without really impacting the workflow in hospitals or patient throughput. And that's exactly what Synexus's microbial reduction technology using dry hydrogen peroxide does. The technology is owned and actually patented by um, Synexus, which produces the dry hydrogen peroxide. I'm going to refer to it as DHP. Uh, makes it a little bit easier in getting it out of my mouth. DHP. Um, and it, um, they have numerous patents, both U.S. and international. They've pretty much got the hold on the molecule that they use to develop the dry hydrogen peroxide. So this hydrogen peroxide is in a gas form. It's generated from the oxygen and the humidity and ambient air and diffuses throughout any area in a building. I wish that we could show a graphic of this. They've got a very cool graphic which shows the air coming through and then there's this little piece of intellectual property that they have called a sail, S-A-I-L. And as the air comes back out the other side, it is now dry hydrogen peroxide where they've dropped one molecule and added another. Um, and, you know, so the really key point for that, again, is that DHP travels wherever the air goes. It's continuously permeating a space. It's continuously treating the hardest to reach remote areas that might otherwise really serve as a reservoir of contamination. Um, 
The other thing I wanted to point out is there's no water in dry hydrogen peroxide. It's truly dry hydrogen peroxide. It's effective at concentrations far lower than other forms of hydrogen peroxide, like the vapors or the mist that that people are using. And they're only going to be able to be used in unoccupied spaces. So, again, I need to stress DHP is safely used 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, it, and it, we have, they have tremendous studies showing how um, they can reduce bacteria, viruses, fungi, and mold. So the DHP systems can actually be installed in your HVAC unit and typically right at the diffuser level. Really easy to install. They do it for you. Or you can actually use a standalone unit and place it in a room. A number of hospitals use both. And in the case of sports, one of the Major League Baseball teams has it in their locker room, but for their away games, uh, they find most of the away game locker rooms pretty filthy and not kept up. So they send up a couple of athletic trainers in advance of the game to use one of the portables and just let it run so that the air and all of the um, countertop surfaces are all cleaned up before their team gets there. So we also wanted to point out a little bit to what Maureen was talking about with list N. So from a regulatory standpoint, the Synexus falls under the Environmental Protection Agency. And the Environmental Protection Agency sort of groups all of these companies, such as the UV vendors um, and other myths, right under the Pesticide Act. It's called, the acronym is FIFRA. But... Um, there's also um, two sections of that. There's one that's all about the pesticides that really are going out there to prevent, destroy, repel, or mitigate and test. Um, it actually um, has a new meaning to a lot of what they're doing. Uh, they have a lot of information about um, the Pesticide Act, and they just keep expanding it. The recent expansion about three years ago included devices. These instruments that are um, are intended for trapping, destroying, repelling, and mitigating all these pests, but they are coming from an actual piece of equipment. You're not adding a disinfectant to it. You're not adding anything at all to it. It's just the way it comes through by dropping one molecule, adding another and going out to really find, trap, destroy, and repel. It's really quite interesting where other technologies are more of a, um, you know, once it reaches it, they shock it or kill it. This, actually, the air is pursuing that, finding it, breaking it down, literally destroying that. Um, the technology, so, is regulated, as I said, as, with the v- EPA as a device rather than a pesticide. And that's a real critical point of differentiation since um, the Synexus technology does not use that disinfectant solution. As I mentioned, they're using naturally occurring molecules in the air. So I bring this up because everyone's looking to the EPA's list N, as Maureen pointed out earlier. It's the list of disinfectants approved for use against our cov and it only applies to the liquid disinfectants 
or devices that utilize a liquid disinfecting solution. And as we've just discussed, DHP is not a liquid or any sort of solution you add to a device. It's just a natural gas coming from naturally occurring molecules in the air. So because of their mechanism of action, it precludes them from being included on that EPA list then. However, DHP does meet the EPA's established criteria for efficacy against the SARS-CoV-2, which, you know, includes the ability to eliminate a harder-to-kill non-envelope virus or another coronavirus. So they did some third-party testing, and it demonstrated efficacy against two harder-to-kill non-envelope viruses, feline, calice virus, and MS2, as well as the gamma coronavirus, which is infectious bronchitis virus. So um, right now, I'm happy to report that um, Dr. Ross from the University of Georgia has testing all set up to test against the actual SARS-CoV-2 strain itself. He's got all of the inoculations ready, and they're they're beginning to start it so that we should know by the end of the week at the very latest how effective they are they Nexus and dry hydrogen peroxide are on this uh, nasty virus that's coming that's come before us. Um, it's very exciting to know that this company is investing in their research. They're all about research and they're all about data. So, Nancy, what else can I share with you this segment? Denise, thank you so much for all of that amazing technology information about Synexis and about the EPA listings. Very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we have three minutes before our commercial break. Uh, Would you be able to briefly uh, describe the differences between DHP and other no-touch devices? Yep. Most fundamental difference lies in the continuous mode of action. So DHP addresses even the inevitable recontamination of a room in real time. Again, works around the clock to reduce that bio burden, where by contrast, intermittent solutions like UV or hydrogen peroxide vapor, hydrogen peroxide vapor not being really safe for human exposure, and via all of the technology out there right now that I've just addressed typically is uh, uh, intermittent. You know, they're a single point in time. So in some of them, you have to seal off a room, you have to blast, and... Uh, you can get a pretty contaminated room, but again, as I mentioned, the minute a staff member or a client or whomever walks in the room, that process recontamination begins again. So it's just the mode of action, the mechanism of action that, that differentiates them from many of the others that are out there. Okay, wonderful. Well, Denise, again, we thank you for sharing the information and um, giving more of an explanation uh, about all this, um, the technology that Synexus has created and how it works. Right now, we are going to take a pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing the hydrogen peroxide technology offers continuous environmental cleaning with our guests, Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages.
Join us on Saturday, November 14th at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for the 8th Annual International C. diff Virtual Conference and Health Expo. For details and to register, please visit cdiff2020.com. Again, that's cdiff2020.com. Or contact the C. diff Foundation at 727-205-3922. We look forward to meeting you online on November 14th and meeting you in person in November 2021 in Boston, Massachusetts at the Hilton Boston Logan Airport Hotel. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll free 1 844 4 CDIF. That's 1 844 367 2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the program, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us. Today, we are continuing our discussion about the unique strategy for addressing the environmental implications of bacteria, fungi, and viruses with our guests Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer and I, right now uh, I know we have Denise Graham with us right now hello Denise hello I'm here yeah, yeah. No, great well thanks so much for being here today and taking time out of your busy schedule and with Maureen Spencer and Denise uh, can you explain to our global listeners how Synexis came up with dry hydrogen peroxide yeah really good question it's really interesting. So the catalyst for Synexus dates back to the World Trade Center. You know, the ANSAC letters were sent both to the East Coast and the West Coast. And Jim Lee, who's the company founder and inventor of dihydrogen peroxide gas, came up with an answer after being shipped to uh, the West Coast where everything was just fine. But he, he was an anti-terrorism advisor for quite some time and has just been in the thick of things. So he's a West Point graduate, served in command and staff positions. He has a master's degree from the University of Virginia in chemical engineering. If you ever want a good chemical engineering uh, discussion, you call Jim Lee. Oh, my. He knows his chemistry inside and out. He also taught at West Point from 1993 to 1997. They actually directed the Academy's largest academic course. So after leaving the U.S. Army as a major, he entered the private sector, as I said, and uh, um, in the public sector as an anti-terrorism consultant for several Fortune 500 companies, including AIG. So while 
establishing this first center network in New York City's financial district, Jim figured out that unlike chemical and radiologic centers, there's no technology, no viable technology that existed at that time to detect biological agents in real time. So he went out there and thought to fill this capability gap by developing a prophylactic means for mitigating uh, biological risk. And his goal was to develop the technology that was 24-7 and work around the clock. So that's essentially how it started. Uh, it was created by Jim, and fast forwarding to today, they are the sole developer of dry hydrogen peroxide and the hydrogen peroxide gas technology. It's a patented system, as mentioned earlier, and it uses a building ambient humidity, oxygen, to really achieve that safe, this green technology, and the natural reduction of bacteria, viruses, and mold in the air, but um, both the air and surfaces at the same time within an occupied space. So they have 12 patents in the U.S., and they have 12 more in today's competitive world with all the companies claiming specific reductions. I bring that up just because it's important to look at other companies' um, data. How do they conduct their studies? Synexus uses real-life data from their many facilities, and their lab data is not conducted in one of those small lab glove boxes, but instead in a 3,000-foot chamber where people come in and out, and it's the closest to real life that they can get versus that small box. Um, having that technology that can continually address the contaminant is important since when we look at the other technologies, it includes ozone. Some of them include ozone. So if you're looking for a technology, make certain that you're, you're looking at the number of companies who are out there who are claiming they can do something claiming they can reduce bio burden, but when you really look closely, some don't even kill viruses, while others only do air or only surfaces. And it's really a paradigm-shifting capability for microbial reduction in occupied spaces. Mm-hmm. So having the technology continually addresses these, these topics. Exactly. All ongoing, 30, 24, I'm going to say 34, 24-7, 365, constantly addressing the bio-burden present in the air and on surfaces. Um, really, really helps um, environmental services. You don't want to take away manual cleaning. You want to continue with your manual cleaning procedures and use the technology that is enhancing and working 24-7. So there, and also, too, the good thing about GHP is there's no need to worry about any oxidation or degrading of surface materials. And, again, it goes back to that there's no water associated with product. Okay. And I'm going to talk a little... I was just going to say, can you tell us a little bit about Synexus's, um how they assess a facility and how their yeah. technology is installed? You know, I used to hear... Um, People say, oh, our, uh, my building breathes, breathes differently than your building. And I used to think, hmm, that's interesting. Of course, I was in middle or high school at that point. But um, indeed, every building does breathe differently from another. So when they go in, 
um, for pre-installation to assess a building, they, they consider a number of factors. They really take into consideration some epidemiological factors in nature. So, for example, the frequency and pattern of people's movement in and out of an area um, will often define how they install their technology to optimize that installation because if the area has high turnover, the increased amount of air changes that occur due to the entry and exit of these people will often be combated by the installation of, of additional units. So, again, they, they're looking always to keep above and beyond and looking for any opportunity that could enter a specific space. So if there are a lot of people moving in and out, that is a factor that they consider. Um, other factors they take into consideration are more micro, microbiology and uh, biochemical aspects. So they're looking at a normal temperature and the humidity of the location. Remember I was saying how they're using the room's ambient hair and humidity. So they want to make certain that the humidity area, the humidity is, Within their sweet spot, if it's not, then they will over-install. They learned a little bit about that with a Pima Heart Center located in Tucson, Arizona. Did great microbial reduction, but they, the Nexus one, is happy with the numbers. They like being up to 98 99%, and uh, the humidity was an issue. They went back in and took care of that. So room size, configuration, ceiling height, all come into the assessment as to how many devices and where they're going to be placed to reach that proper equilibrium concentration. There's really no hard and fast rule for the number of devices or where to put it. That's why they come in. They really want to take a good look at um, the building. And after the assessment, they'll design an optimal strategy for the installation that best serves your facility. Um, so what Again, they can come in and recommend something for your HVAC system, recommend a standalone, but that, that's really the process they take to con- going into it. Oh, one other thing I should mention is a couple of hospitals have asked us, how does it do with HEPA filters? It doesn't, do, it doesn't have any problem going through HEPA filters, and in fact, anecdotally, we've heard that it's actually, the DHP has actually prolonged the lifespan of HEPA filters because contaminants that are normally caught by that filter are significantly reduced before arriving at that filter, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's amazing, Denise, how um, Synexus, uh, their team assess, uh, their assessment, their pre-installation assessment is so unique and so environment specific. Uh, it's wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that information with us. You're welcome. Now, one, we have four minutes before we pause for a commercial break. And maybe you can briefly explain about the results the facilities are having and what they're achieving oh, with sure. Synexus. Yep. So um, we know, especially in healthcare, we need evidence-based research. And Synexus has good reads of data, actually. They have pathogen-specific data against a broad range of bacteria, viruses, and fungi. And they also have some lab data um, that they share, too. So they've got real exciting results in healthcare. There's a, there's a study uh, that just ended in a large Western healthcare facility, 666 beds. It demonstrated statistically 
significant reductions with BHB, actually on the order of a three to five log reduction um, in, in surface bio burden across four units, pediatric emergency room, the pediatric ICU, the cardiovascular ICU, and an adult oncology unit. So very different units, different locations, different patient demographics, different ventilation parameters. So that's one of the reasons why they go in to assess where your technology needs to be there. So great reductions there demonstrated the technology's ability to accommodate the unique characteristics of each unit. And um, I can go into a little bit more if we still have time, but one of the things that came out of this that I thought was pretty incredible was DHP actually works well with textiles, such as privacy curtains. Um, There were privacy curtains in one of the units that was heavily contaminated, and because of the static charge of a um, privacy curtain, um, you know, it, airborne bacteria kind of goes right toward it. It has like a net charge on their cell walls, and they're attracted to that static charge on the curtains. You can think about that. They're all going towards the curtain. Same with the airborne at DHP. It would work because of the polar nature of the hydrogen peroxide molecules. It's really valuable to go into the soft textiles and literally reduce 90-some-odd percent of any bio burden. That's amazing. Thank you so much. You know what, Denise? We have two minutes until we pause for a commercial break. Um, Would you like to talk more about the study that's ongoing? Yes. So there's a large study that's ongoing in... um, a pediatric oncology center, and what they did was installed in two IC rooms. One, it was two rooms, so there's controls, and obviously the other was with the intervention. And they took both high and low-touch surfaces prior to the installation and up to four weeks post-installation. Statistically, significant reductions in bio-burden were seen across all sampling sites after the intervention was installed. And in fact, the PI submitted uh, an abstract and it was accepted to the SHEA CDC International Decennial Conference on HAIs, which as we know um, was canceled due to the pandemic. But full manuscript is going to be coming out. Uh, It was submitted to AGIC and for um, itchy, it's actually going to be listed as one of the abstracts and a supplement that's coming out from Shay's journal in August. Um, we also have a, um, a study which was published in AGIC. It was conducted in a 35-bed cardiovascular telemetry unit. <clears throat> they achieved dramatic reductions in surface bio burden, and after just seven days of use, um, the, the, the reductions were incredible. They, comp- they achieved complete eradic- eradication of Staph aureus, Staphylococcus species, and Cytrobacter. So that's amazing. Utilized numerous areas of the tech- of the building. That's wonderful. You know, Denise, I don't want me to interrupt you or pause you right now with the studies. Unfortunately, we are already at our commercial break. And when we return, we will continue discussing your wonderful information on dry hydrogen peroxide technology, on offering continuous environmental cleaning with our guests, Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, and thank you so much for joining us today. We have been continuing our discussion uh, about the dry hydrogen peroxide technology, offering continuous environmental cleaning with our two guests, Denise Graham and Maureen Spencer. Welcome back to the program, ladies. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. You're so welcome. Denise, before we went to commercial, uh, you were explaining the different studies that were being conducted and Mm -hmm. have been conducted. Would you mind uh, continuing if there's any other uh, information about the studies? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I I could talk about this over and over again, as you can tell. Yeah, so the, the DHP is in a number of different industries. You know, again, the healthcare, but healthcare pharmacy, as you know, needs to um, achieve compliance with USP 797. So there are in a couple healthcare pharmacies there uh, to help them out with mold issues. They're also in restaurants. Interesting enough, in one of the restaurants, uh, it's actually in New York City. Um, if an inspector comes in and sees a fly, they are deemed so much per fly. So the Mexico also has the ancillary benefit of can we pass. Um, so this restaurant was really excited because you can go down into their trash bin to do juice, stir it up, and you won't find a fly come out at all. So um, the other big thing is mold. I want to just quickly share with you that one of the MLB, Major League Baseball teams that they're working with, actually was prepared to tear down their facility because of an intractable mold issue. They had multiple remediation efforts and it still couldn't be resolved. An elastic effort they installed to Nexus, and they were able to not only salvage the building but eliminate the mold problem and achieve a 95% reduction in bacterial counts throughout the building. And these kind of results really have some major ramifications when you think about some of these high performing, high salary uh, athletes. Um, you know, any illness in the key player can kill a team's chances of advancing in a playoff. So you want to make sure that they're healthy as well. Um, so, yes, they're in a number of food processing, uh, a number of 
of uh, casinos. There's one casino where they actually have it installed between the non-smoking and smoking. You can walk down there and you will not smell smoke because it also takes care of odors. Uh, if you're painting in a hospital, you have that off-gas that takes care of the smell of that as well. So it's really achieved some significant reductions across many industries. One of the other really nice ones was they installed in a Ronald McDonald house where, as you know, um, the Ronald McDonald house is used to provide temporary housing for children and their families when they have to travel there for treatment. Um, so these, these people are, um, you know, pretty susceptible to infection. These children are immunocompromised, and so the health of the family and caregivers is really important. So they sought out the nexus for their environmental disinfection beyond this standard clean in the fall of 2017, and they're still going. Um, the Ronald McDonald House is just one example. Oh, my goodness. Again, um, numerous restaurants, numerous healthcare facilities, um, large reductions, which you can find on their website. But one last piece is, you know, throughout this pandemic, we've seen a lot of um, news pieces out there about um, meat packing or poultry, not going, the employees are afraid to go back to work. Um, so, Tenexus actually used DHP in the poultry environment and received dramatic microbial reductions, like greater than 93%. So, the technology is in poultry, it's in daycare, it's in hair salons, preschools, and as mentioned, it even has that um, data on insect pest control. So if you want to see all of that, it is on their website at www.thenexus.com. And, you know, your listeners can always feel free to email me and Nancy if they have any questions about the technology. If they're afraid to go directly to the vendor and they want an unbiased opinion, feel free to contact me, Denise Graham. My email is Denise, E-E-N-I-S-E, followed by the letter A, followed by my last name, G-R-A, H-A-M at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Denise. We have learned so many wonderful things about Synexus, their, uh, their uh, dry hydrogen peroxide you know, technology. Um, and, you know, before we close today's program, would you just be able to um, provide our listeners with the key takeaways that you want them to, you know, uh, Learn, you know, just keep in mind about today's episode. Sure. Absolutely. Well, for starters, I mean, for Enders, I should say, it's really been exciting for me to work with this really extraordinary technology. I mean, I've seen and worked with a lot of other technologies over the years, but I think there are several features that really set the Synexus DHP apart from the rest of them, the environmental decontamination pack, if you will. So I, if I were to get, give four big takeaways, because I have four in my immediate thought processes, that it's able to address both air and surface contamination, including spore-forming and vegetative bacteria, viruses, fungi, and mold. The fact that it's safe for use in occupied spaces, my second, and it can be used continuously, um, the fact that it's a gas created from amb- your own building ambient oxygen and humidity, which is already present in the air. Um, and it goes through this photocatalytic reaction and puts back together again and becomes hydrogen peroxide. 
it, it, it can permeate from floor to ceiling, corner to corner. I mean, I, I think that's pretty remarkable profile for technology in any circumstances, but especially during a global pandemic. And I guess my last thing would be that it's automated. You know, you don't need to require staff to operate it or to oversee it. And in fact, it has very minimal maintenance requirements. And you just change this little sale, it clips, these little clips in and out every four months, every three months. And uh, the next one's going to actually do that for you, though. Gladly come out and take care of it. So I guess the sum total of just those four features, maybe I went into five. Um, offers a much-needed advantage to all buildings, all facilities, not just healthcare, as we navigate throughout this unprecedented time that we have ourselves in. Thanks for allowing me to share more about this technology. Maureen, did you have some thoughts you wanted to add? I think we lost oh, Maureen. Maybe. Oh, here Did I am. Lose Maureen. Oh, there <laughs> okay. I had. I was on mute. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, as an infection preventionist for more than forty years, and seeing many different kinds of products, innovative whistles and bells. You know, to think that we could have something installed so easily that's non-toxic to humans, doesn't require very much EVS maintenance or facility maintenance. Um, it's just a no-brainer to me, and the data's good. I mean, I just um, was just blown away when I, I actually met Synexus at your conference a couple of years ago when I was giving a talk at the CDIF conference. Denise was there, and Russ was there, and that's kind of how I got introduced to them, and I, I just think it's a fantastic thing. I can imagine your school systems and universities and, you know, restaurants. I mean, if people yeah. use this, then we would just, not have to worry so much about not just transmission of COVID, but many other things that, you know, we all the mold and the yeah. mold and all those kinds of smells. I mean, it's like so many positives you know, to it. So, one, yeah, area I, I forgot to, one area I forgot to tell you about, Maureen, they're in dormitories now. They're in two yeah, university dormitories. And that yeah. is taking off because a lot of students, depending upon, you know, a university's um, plan to bring them back, but I thought that was kind of a really smart idea on the part of the university. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I, I kind of take a step back and look at everything we're doing right now with the masks and the gloves and the hand, I, I always think that if we had something like this taking care of the air and the environmental surfaces, and we had the use of a nasal antiseptic that we know can kill influenza and yeah. viruses for extended periods of time, and there's even now products coming out, hand hygiene products that have a sustaining action. This is a new, rather than just the alcohol, kind of like a disinfectant, kills it right away, but then it gets contaminated right after, but something that continues to have a residual action. Um, and there's also sprays for the environment, for environmental, yeah. you know, because you spraying desks and tables mm-hmm. that will, again, sustain the action. So that would go along with Synexis, doing the hair, exactly. the air and, you know, other things, uh, the mold, the, the flies, the... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. We really have to close the show. And we just want to say thank you for all that Tenexus is doing in the environmental safety community. I'm your host, Nancy Corella, with our reminder, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health, continued healing, and a great day. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. 